Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the Go 24-7 podcast. I'm Matthew Bruni, and joining me once again today is Glenn West. Glenn, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, man. Just getting a little downtime in this heat, hot weather uh, in, in New Orleans, and we'll be back to Baton Rouge soon. But, uh, man, it's been it's been a toasty one out there for sure the last week or so. We've had a lot of, yeah. a lot of outdoors kind of events going on, so it's been it's been rough. What, yeah, what's the Texas weather like right now? I know you're, uh, you're over in Texas. <laughs> The Texas weather is um, always different for me because Baton Rouge is, you know, a little bit more humid and like, um, but Texas, man, Dallas and I mean, I'm in Dallas right now. So it's like more dry heat. Yeah. Just dry heat yeah. out there. Uh, went went golfing and it was just like, <laughs> I was trying to stay in the car. I was like, this is the only shade I got, man. This is, yeah. whew, it was tough. Took my yeah, body. Getting, my body had to recover from those eighteen holes. To it's getting to the point in New Orleans where not even the AC unit on full blast is really working. So uh, definitely, definitely, kind of got to settle into your your short war short warm weather clothes. So yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. Um, and, and you were obviously out there at the the Manning Passing Academy mm-hmm. uh, over the weekend in uh, Thibodeau, and got to see a lot of. You know, a lot of the top college quarterbacks, some great high school quarterbacks. Um, I mean, just what what was that whole experience like for you? And uh, just explain it to people who don't know what it is, basically. Yeah, I mean, I've gone the last couple of years, been lucky to go the last couple of years. Essentially, what it is, is, you know, the Manning family, you're really the last 25, 26 years is, you know, kind of taking a week in the middle of summer to uh, put on this camp, essentially, for all high school quarterbacks. And one of the interesting parts of it is they bring in, uh, some of the top college quarterbacks in the country to, as counselors, essentially, and, and teachers for these high school kids that want to just go out there and get better and, um, you know, try to improve their game a little bit over a four or five day span. So, um, yeah, it's it's a really cool event that they do. They do it in Thibodeau um, over at Nichols State, which is, I mean, it's just really crazy just driving there. It takes an hour to get there from, you know, Baton Rouge, New Orleans, and it's just Man, it's just like in the middle of really nowhere where you have all of these like football royalty Manning family just meeting and uh, obviously all these college quarterbacks who are, you know, some of them are likely to go be future first round picks and stars in the NFL. I mean, it's just it's a really cool kind of setting to kind of have. Um, they I think they had over twenty five hundred campers you know this year, which was, uh, you know, up there with the most they've ever had, which was. Um, yeah, we're really, really impressive that they're still able to get this kind of attraction, you know, kind of 25 years in. But, um, yeah, I mean, among the quarterbacks there, obviously, um, Miles Brennan, LSU set Miles Brennan, um, you know, Alabama sent Bryce Young, uh, Max Johnson was out there from Texas A&M. That was kind of an interesting story. Max and Miles are actually rooming together this week at, at we're, or actually were rooming together at, at Nichols and, um, you know, for the camp, which was interesting. They, they talked about, you know, just getting, you know, getting back together and, you know, reminiscing about the, the last year, I guess, of that, uh, that Orgeron era. And, you know, it was a lot of, a lot of, a lot of interesting stories back and forth, but, 
Um, yeah, I mean, look, I think one of the biggest things that I just wanted to know uh, coming in was just kind of Miles Brennan's attitude towards the summer and towards this, you know, competition that's obviously going to be such a huge, you know, critical part of fall camp. Um, and, you know, he's taken it like you would expect a, you know, fifth year, six year senior to take it. And, um, you know, he, he understands, you know, that, you know, he, he, he he's going to be in a, a, a stringent, stingy quarterback battle with these guys, with Garrett Nussmeyer, with Jaden Daniels. And, um, you know, they've obviously spent the last couple months getting to know each other a little bit better. I've uh, been working a lot with the receivers and, um, you know, that's, that's going to be kind of the, the identity of what they do kind of the next, you know, three or four weeks before fall camp starts, you know, just about getting that connection back. Yeah. Um, obviously with guys like Kayshawn now getting, you know, if back to full strength, you want to read, you know, get that rapport back up with him as well. Um, so, you know, some, some interesting things to take away from, from Brennan and, um, you know, he just kind of talked about, you know, his, his kind of his last shot, you know, to kind of essentially, you know, be the full-time starter at LSU for, for a season. And, uh, Seems like he's got a lot of experience in his bag to kind of help him and knows what he wants, knows what he has to do in order to accomplish that. Yeah. Miles Brennan, after talking to him, I mean, obviously we are all, we were all there for his like press conferences and media availability during the spring. He definitely seems like the kind of guy who's like, like, no, this, this is it. Like he's very open about like, I really want this job and I'm ready to compete for this job. And it kind of just feels like it's overdue for him, at least in his, in his mind. Right. And that's what makes it so interesting in that, you know, to me, and I think to a lot of people, it still is a competition of sorts Mm -hmm. that it's not guaranteed that it's his job. And I think for him, that competition is just kind of ingrained in him at this point. And it's so fascinating to watch him just be like, like he's, he says all the right things every single time. It's like, you know, it's competition. I have to do this, this, and this. I have to get better at this. Like, it's all the right things to say. But you can just tell in his mind, it's like, okay, this isn't a freshman competing for the job. This isn't a sophomore competing for the job. This is like, this is his only chance to to play, you know, at LSU pretty much. And if not, it's like, if you can feel like, it feels like it's something that's going to eat at him, if not. And so that's what it, the fascinating part to me is, is he's just so been so honest and so upfront and so kind of I don't want to say authentic because you know everything's kind of coach speak at, at some level but still matter of fact very, it's been very matter of fact that this yes. is his last last opportunity yes, that's so. that's the great way of putting it that's a great way of putting um, it so yeah I think uh the Miles Brennan angle of this offseason has been so fascinating because it's not just about him competing for the job it's about him like well damn he could have entered the transfer portal and gone you know Anywhere, anywhere to play football, Tulane yeah. or Oklahoma State, and you know he could have gone anywhere to play. He said he's back at LSU and at one of the better quarterback rooms in the country, and now he's not going to get handed the job. So how will he handle that? I think that's just a real interesting angle. Yeah, no, I, and I just kind of to piggyback off that, he's really the only quarterback that has kind of gone through a coaching change, has gone through just a lot of the off-season chaos that has kind of come with this year um you know he's played for at least four different offensive coordinators in his five years here and now he's obviously welcoming Den Brock and and Joe Sloan and we asked him about you know the, the two coordinators and he said look I mean the, these guys are as on point and as you know dedicated know know what they're doing as anybody that he's ever worked with before at LSU and yeah you know, Joe Sloan obviously is a guy who's 
you know, as far as assistant coaches go, probably has garnered a lot of the offseason attention just in the way that he's been able to recruit so far, build those relationships. And um, yeah, I, I think he's carried that onto the field as well. You know, Mac Miles talked about just how, um, you know, energetic he is, how fiery he is as a coach and um, how hands-on he is as a coach. And that's something he really appreciates, um, you know, at this stage in his career when he kind of realizes that this is his last you know, opportunity to really make a, a big change or make, make a big difference here at LSU. And, um, you know, I think you just got to respect the way that a guy like Brennan's kind of carried it, you know, in the way of the, the era of the transfer portal. You know, you've got talented quarterbacks that, you know, are leaving, you know, at the first signs of trouble. And, um, you know, I think Brennan has really, you know, attacked that head on during, throughout his career. He's really made that kind of a, 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 the genesis of what he's about. And, um, yeah, it'll be interesting. I mean, I, I know that they really like Nussmeyer, they really like Daniels, and they really like Brennan. And I'm with you. I think this is going to be a three-quarterback race. Um, and whichever one comes in with the most momentum, whichever one is able to thrive on that opportunity early in camp, um, I think is going to deserve the job. Yeah, uh, let's go from talking about six-year quarterbacks to quarterbacks who have not even enrolled or, or aren't even in their senior year of high school. Um I mean, the 2023 class prediction that I put out has a lot. I mean, we talked about it beforehand. It had a lot of, you know, interest, talking points, and that's what will happen anytime there is a class prediction piece and you don't want to just, you know, half-ass it. So, yeah, try to put a lot of time into it and uh, try to get it as right as possible. Obviously, plenty will change over the coming weeks, and I know Sonny will have his out next week, so be on the lookout for that. Uh, but let's start with the quarterback position here because it's been fascinating to watch Dante Moore, and you are you are very plugged into uh, recruiting, as am I, and as is, as is Sonny. And it's been a two-man race, it feels like. At least that's from what, what Will Fong's been saying, you know, what Sonny's been saying with Oregon and LSU. It looks, you know, Will Fong put in a crystal ball to, to Oregon. It looks like Oregon's in the lead right now. What's your take on the Dante Moore situation here? Yeah, I, I do think it's going to be probably leaning that way. I mean, Dante Moore was just on campus, and he's been posting a lot of you know social media stuff and Oregon gear. I think he was on campus this last weekend, or or mm-hmm. within the last week, he's been on their campus again. And um, you know, usually that's a good indication of of kind of where things stand. You know, I, he hasn't officially come out and announced a commitment date. I, I mean, I guess that, that's assuming that he could do it really at any time. Um, so, I mean, if he's, you know, if, if, if you told me he's going to make a commitment here in the next you know day or two or a week or so, uh, I would say absolutely Oregon's probably the favorite right now, but, um, you know, I think the fact that he hasn't and hasn't put out that commitment date yet probably also leads you to believe that he's still thinking about his options. And I do think that, you know, LSU is still going to continue to push. Um, obviously, you know, the, the relationship with Sloan is, is, is huge, um, relationship with coach kelly is huge coach kelly obviously recruited him heavily at notre dame as well so um kind of have that experience level in terms of recruiting so um yeah i mean i i I do think that you know it's still it's still up for discussion you know in terms of where he's going to be um lsu i I also kind of feel like that you know if lsu doesn't hit on the top tier quarterback this year they're not necessarily in a you know do or die situation here i think they have some good fallback options um, I think they have obviously a, a really great young core with Nussmeyer and Howard 
um, that you're going to have on campus for the next two or three years. So uh, if you don't land a guy like Moore, it's not the end of the world. You know, I think you can shift focus to next, you know, the next recruiting class and, um, and obviously um, make your pitch to a guy like maybe Ricky Collins, a local kid who's obviously a Purdue commit right now, but um, I think LSU really likes and wouldn't be a fallback option. You know, he's still a very good quarterback. He's going to be performing in the elite 11 finals and, um, you know, all that good stuff. So he, he, he's very talented and we got to see him recently, but yeah, I mean, if you, if you lose out on more, all hope is not lost. I think is kind of my big, my big takeaway. <laughs> I, I, I agree completely. I mean, especially at, with what you feel like is a good young core and Walker Howard and Garrett Nussmeyer like this, you should be in theory set for three years, three years, right? At least. Right. And so obviously you want Dante Moore. You would love a top five, six quarterback in the class every single year. But I think with this staff still being fresh and still building relationships, I'm not saying that that's why they're not getting Dante Moore, but, or that's why they might not get Dante Moore, but it, it is a factor here where they haven't established LSU in a lot of team and a lot of players minds it feels like for this 2023 class and um yeah so i definitely think if they don't get more you go after collins and um I, i've mentioned avery johnson as well as as a quarterback from kansas that uh we've, we've heard at least something about and that's really all we've we've done so you know i i agree with you there's there's a camp that says you have to get quarterbacks every single one um i think with the transfer portal I just don't think you have to reach if you don't want to. And I I think that's the situation LSU is in. If they don't get more, it's like, okay, you can go after Collins. And I think it'd be a good get just like you. But at the same time, if Collins wants to stay with Purdue, I don't think you need to reach much farther past, you know, his his level of quarterback uh, just to get a quarterback on here. I don't think that's necessary. So, no, um, I agree. Yeah. yeah, is there any other – as we look at look through the yeah so I, I think you know kind of as we were looking through it um we kind of discussed a little bit before we hopped on the pod but um you know we you know obviously you spent a lot of time on this i think you know kyle parker obviously the receiver is a guy that you you projected to lsu in your your projection piece and i think lo and behold 24 40 hours later he was a he was a commit so um you know we could talk about a little bit of the receivers obviously shelton Sampson's going to be the, the number one priority, I think, for, for LSU. Um, but uh, offensive line as well is, is going to be huge this year. You know, I think you put in five or six different offensive linemen. Just, I guess, kind of talk about the receiver O-line, you know, kind of group um, there that you that you really like and what you like about the the potential of that class um, that you you put out. Yeah, I mean, if you get Shelton Sampson and Kyle Parker as, as, a, as a one-two, you feel really good about that. And then – think they would look for a third just you know looking at it and obviously there's tons of guys you could throw out there um, Malik Benson's probably not going to LSU uh, which would be a huge get as well but you throw that name out there you throw a name like Kai Preen out there and um, you kind of go down the list but it starts with Sampson and Parker if you get those two you can fill in the third receiver spot from there I feel um Obviously, I liked where they were at with Kyle Parker, and then Shelton Sampson is the guy. Like they need Shelton Sampson, I think, in this class more than anything. They need him. Uh, offensive line was interesting because I put six in there, um, and that didn't include Cole Dellinger, uh, who you know is a name who maybe has gone up and down at yeah. times. So we'll, we'll see how that works out. He did camp with LSU, so 
but you have to look at the guys that did camp uh, in Tyree Adams, Zaylen Hurd. Um, We're hearing Adams. a lot of good things about Zaylen Hurd out of there. Yeah. Out of their camp, they they loved Zaylen's herd. They loved the fact that he was so game and being able to to camp and obviously be a part of that. You know that the visit you know over that weekend as well. So um, I think they feel like they're in a really good spot with him as well. But yeah, go on, go on. <laughs> yeah, no, I think I think they need probably five. I mean, Brad, the way Brad Davis has recruited the at the offensive line level, it looks like the six names I put in, I could theoretically see them getting all six. Now, will they get the all six? No. Or probably not, but you know, if they end up with four of these five and then they or four of these six and they plug in another one, they end up with five. Like, I think that's really good because all five of these or all six of these guys, um, I feel really good about. I saw Paris Patterson in person at camp and I thought he was actually really impressive. I think he's a high three star, but I mean, the offensive line is not something I'm worried about with this class just because Brad Davis has it feels like he's connected a lot, he has a real high batting percentage in terms of like when he gets these guys on camps it feels like they're like they leave like okay this is one of my top two top three top four that's just what i get the feeling of and i don't know if that's because brad davis has been here for longer than the other coaches but brad davis to me has done just a terrific job of not only getting these guys on campus but you know getting inside of their top three top four whatever it is so um i feel good about the offensive line that i put in there uh receiver like we mentioned i think it comes down to sheldon sampson now that you have kyle parker yeah i mean and just kind of i guess piggybacking on that a little bit i mean i what i what i find so interesting about not only this class but the next class as well is that there's really there's a different kind of restriction in terms of um the fact that you don't have a limit this year in terms of how many players you can bring into your class um which I think presents obviously some benefits, but also some challenges in terms of looking ahead at what you already have on the roster. Um, but, you know, if, if you really like, you know, five or six of those guys, I think you can feel comfortable with bringing all of them on. Uh, and then you obviously deal with what the current roster situation is after the season. So um, it, it's, it's very interesting just in terms of what, you know, I remember we talked to Brian Polian back in the spring and he talked about just, man, the, the optimal outcome being exactly what this is, you know, in terms of letting these colleges kind of catch up after the COVID year mm-hmm. and, and being able to get their rosters back on some manageable levels um, and having that unlimited amount of recruits you can bring in as long as your roster remains at that 85 limit um, is really going to help LSU, I think, in, in, in their case. So, um, yeah, just just that was one thing I wanted to point out was just um, – you know, the numbers I don't think are going to be as as stringent in terms of how many players from a specific specific position uh, that they bring in. They're going to they're going to bring in as many guys as they feel like can help help their program either right away or, or in one or two years down the line. And I think that's that's a really, really kind of cool thing. And, and obviously with the transfer portal error as well, so many of these guys are entering the portal. You've you got to have. Uh, a lot of a lot of these freshmen come in and, and be able to compete right away yeah um just to kind of summarize it i have i mean because this is the projection i have is very offensive line and defense line heavy i mean you have 10 linemen between those two positions uh position, position groups nine of them are four stars i mean if that's what ended up happening obviously you'd take that in a heartbeat right. um <clears throat> just to summarize it basically it's in the projection that I that I had put together, it's a top ten class in all of the past five years. I mean, it's or a top 
it's number six, number eight, number seven, six, nine. And while it doesn't blow you away, like on paper, like the only five star, if you have Ricky Collins at quarterback, is Sheldon Sampson. I think there's 19 four stars I had on here. Like, if you in, in the class with 19, 24 stars and one five star, you you take that. Like that's yeah. very very good. That's a top ten class in Brian Kelly's first year, and you're feeling pretty good about it moving forward. So, um, anything else on on the you know the 2023s or anything? No, I mean, I, I think just the the fact that they're really putting a lot of emphasis on out-of-state, you know, I think yeah. that's kind of been the um, the trajectory of this class is that they're bringing in a lot of guys from out-of-state. Um, not that they don't think they can't land some of these guys in-state, but I do know that there's there's definitely an emphasis, you know, in terms of, of getting those out-of-state kids in for visits and making sure that they're comfortable and, and really pursuing a lot of those guys, so... Um, you know, in terms of in-state, I think Samson and Zalens Hurd are kind of the big two that they're really going after. Um, you know, I think they would love to have a guy like Jordan Matthews. They'd love to have a Jaden Osbury. Um, there's just been some hurdles. It's just, yeah. There's just been more hurdles in the in-state class, and that does come with not being, you know, being a new staff. And that's, I think, eventually, and to me, obviously this is kind of what separates LSU from a lot of places is, the dominance they have over the state of Louisiana, like that they have had in years past. And so when you don't have that as, you know, kind of a, a gateway, like when that's not something you have just in your back pocket, no matter what you have to kind of go out of state. And that this, this staff is so talented and has so much experience recruiting outside of the state of Louisiana, because that's where, you know, a lot of them come from. It's not a huge deal for them. I just think at the end of the day, it is going to probably come down to how much Louisiana talent can you keep here because we've seen in the past that's kind of what separates LSU, at least in my opinion, just yeah. off of, you know, I've only been here for a year, but that's kind of the difference. It's like Louisiana, LSU, you can go to New Orleans and get, you know, a couple five stars here that are going to make the difference. And that, those are the guys that show up. And you can still get out of state guys, but the Louisiana talent to me is, is always the, the separator at times. No, definitely hitting on that is the is the key, and I do think they have obviously the the cream of the crop in terms of you know coaches who coach who uh, recruit this area very well. Frank Wilson, uh, Cortez Hankton, um, Brad Davis, obviously they all have Louisiana backgrounds in terms of their recruiting efforts, and um, that, that's part of the reason that I think you bring in coaches like that. And so that's it's gonna be very very interesting to see how that all plays out. Obviously, I mean, you don't have to hit on every five-star in Louisiana. Just look at all the examples from past years, Tyron Matthew, Justin Jefferson. Um, there, there's just so many guys that you can go down the list of like three, you know, four-star guys that maybe kind of flew in under the radar but turned out to be superstars for you. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I do think Louisiana is going to be the backbone of where, where this program continues to go. But it's nice to see that this staff is also branching out into a lot of different areas and – um, making sure they they un you know un kind of turn over every stone I guess is yeah um let's let's jump to baseball let's jump sure. to baseball this has uh, been a interesting weekend for for us and for you especially um, LSU adds Christian Little from Vanderbilt uh, pitcher and adds Tommy White from NC State which um, I believe was the ACC freshman of the year this past yep. year and a all ACC first team. Um, I'll let you go on this, but just on paper, what I, from what I've read, this is absolutely incredible. 
yeah, no, it's it's huge. It's a big deal that um, you know Jay was able to, you know, Jay Johnson was able to bring in these these two caliber players. Obviously, a SEC pitcher who has been, um, you know, a little bit up and down in his career in terms of Little, who has all the arm talent in the world, um, but just is you know kind of been struggling, I guess, with that consistency on a week to week basis. And obviously, I think you bring him in to be a weekend starter. Um, just looking at this staff right now, it's kind of hard to imagine he's not a weekend starter next year for this team. Um, he was a starter at Vanderbilt? or was Yeah, he, really- he was a starter to start the season at Vanderbilt, but he had some inconsistent issues, kind of much like Ty Floyd did last year. He kind of slid into a bullpen role for most of the season and kind of came alive you know, towards the end of the season for Vanderbilt, had some really nice performances down the stretch for them. Um, but he's, I mean, fastball 95, 96 miles an hour, has some good – some good off-speed pitches as well. It's just about finding that consistency with him. But I have every belief that, you know, whoever Jay Johnson is going to bring in, they're going to be able to coach him up and develop him and, um, you know, hopefully, you know, get this pitching staff back on a more uh, just kind of college baseball trajectory of having a, a, a known starter on Friday, Saturday, Sunday. You know, I think that's kind of the goal of what they kind of need to start with in terms of finding guys. Uh, like that and Dylan T break is another guy from Creighton who fits into that mold gonna have to see what happens with him at the draft but you know I think they have they're, they're doing a nice job of, of rebuilding the staff uh, from the pitcher's side um, but I mean Tommy Tommy White's the, the big one here I mean he's a guy that obviously has you know future first round superstar potential all over him and uh, not only did he break the ACC record for freshman home runs, he broke the NCAA record for freshman home runs uh, with 27 last year. 74 RBIs was primarily a designated hitter uh, for them. He did get a handful of starts at first, a handful of starts at third, um, which is kind of the interesting thing for me in terms of where they're going to place him out in the field. I think you know third base is probably the the betting favorite for where he winds up. Um, you know, he struggled a little bit in the field when he had those opportunities, but, you know, much like the Jacob Berry thing, you know, you got to, you got to do whatever you can to get those kind of hitters on the board uh, on your team and in that roster. And, you know, just, I mean, much like Barry and Cruz last year, a Barry white or a Cruz white, um, you know, one, two punch there with Morgan and obviously hopefully maybe getting Davin Dudas back. And um, it just, there's so many different offensive potentials, you know, Josh Pearson, you can throw into that mix as well. Mm-hmm. Um, it just so much offensive potential with that lineup next year. And you get the defense side um, handled a little bit better. Um, this team should absolutely be competing for a trip to Omaha next year. And um, not only just competing, but, you know, being a host, you know, again, that's been a while since LSU has been a host. Um, so, yeah, two really huge pickups. Love the, love the Tommy White edition and, um, yeah, it's going to be very interesting because they're not done yet. And I think there's some more coming down the pike yeah. uh, from what everything we've been hearing. Yeah, no, definitely. They, they are uh, definitely not done at this point. And it's interesting to get to add Tommy White. You know, when you lose Jacob Berry, it does kind of feel like that nice little substitute. Nice trade-off there. Yeah, and then nice, the nice, nice thing, kind of the nice thing about White is, too, he also has two years of eligibility left. Exactly. Um you know, Barry came in and only had one year really before you felt like, okay, he's going off to the MLB. White, now you get to build a foundation of him, Pearson, um, you know, Morgan, whatever guys they get back, you know, in this freshman class, which is expected to be loaded um, mm-hmm. with their pitching staff and their freshman classes and their position players as well. 
um, you get to have a nice foundation there for when obviously Cruz is expected to be a, a high first round draft pick next year, but you get white for an extra year as well. So you get to kind of carry that offensive, you know, baton into that next season, which is really, uh, really a key thing. I think for Jay as he kind of builds out his program here. Yeah. Let's jump to our final topic here. Um, real quick, the NBA draft happened on Thursday. Tar Eason went number 17 to the Rockets. What'd you think of that? What'd you think of the suit? Was it a, I thought it was great. I thought it was great. great? They, they, I, I like the flamboyant colors. My dad was looking for him throughout the entire broadcast. You know, whenever they did the little pan out of yeah. the of the broadcast, he was always looking. Where's the green? Where's the green suit? Where's it? Where's he sitting? Um, yeah, it was definitely yeah. Uh, definitely had his own his own flavor on. I, I liked it. It's, it's yeah. just good, you know, for us obviously to you know we've talked to Tari a lot this season in interviews and stuff. Just to see him kind of go from an unknown guy at Cincinnati, right. transfer to LSU, and then like just take over just you know explode onto the scene at in the sec and just that growth and you know hearing will way talk about his work ethic and everything so that was really cool you know for us uh just to see that growth kind of obviously fans see it but you know we get, get to talk to him that's kind of the part part of this job is that we get to pick their brain a bit more and so to see his growth you know mentally and i think to see him come into that understanding and just be like oh, I can do this. I can do that. Like, I am capable of doing this. Because at Cincinnati, he was very, you know, un- underutilized. You know, I probably wasn't at, wasn't nearly as good as he was at LSU. But still, to see that growth at LSU would be like, oh, I can do this. Like, I'm not just a, you know, bench player here. I can come in here and be the sixth man of the year in the conference and get drafted and all this stuff. I mean, he's just a – he's – last year's team was, was very, very exciting to me. But he was kind of the – he was the head of the snake, and that's no. what made it uh, cool for me to see him go at number seventeen to the Rockets, which I think is a pretty, pretty good fit. Um, obviously, I think I would like I would have liked maybe to see him on a little bit more of an established team, maybe slide into a role. But the Rockets are rebuilding, and they want to, uh, you know, build their culture. And yet, him and Jabari Smith, you know, two SEC guys, Ty Ty Washington later in the first round, Ty Ty, well. Ty, Ty Washington, they went all SEC, and I think between I mean, Eason and Smith, you had defense. Um, obviously, and I think East, I think Tari's upside offensively is actually kind of slept on. So I think absolutely it's a- no, I, I think it was a great pickup. Um, you know, I think if you go back a year ago today and say, man, Easton's going to be the Tari Easton's going to be the highest drafted LSU player since Ben Simmons was back in 15. I, I'm not sure anybody would have believed you. I mean, they've had some really talented players come through this program the last several years. And I think it just speaks to how quickly Tari was able to pick up the system last year and how much of a anchor he was, especially on defense for them. I mean, he was absolutely fantastic. He's got a wingspan that's close to seven feet, I think. And, um, you know, I I, I kind of like the fit in, in Houston, honestly. I think, you know, the fact that he gets to go in there and be kind of the defensive anchor for that young team, um, there's going to be a lot of responsibility put on him, which I think is something he wants to embrace. So, um I think that's a very exciting young team out West. And, um, you know, I, I, I really like that pickup. And um, obviously kind of moving moving through here, you know, you had your Spurs with a nice little uh, summer summer camp pickup for yeah, various days. Um, six, seven forward, obviously LSU guy that's been around for four years. Great, great player, great person to get to know a little bit. And 
really happy for Darius to get it, get an opportunity somewhere. And, you know, really a, a San Antonio team that's been, you know, kind of known the last 20 years of being able to develop some under the radar talent. And, you know, Darius goes in there, has a nice summer camp, nice spring, uh, nice summer, you know, kind of ball experience with them might latch on with the team somewhere on a two way. Um, I think that's kind of the hope for him. And uh, yeah, just what, what are your thoughts on Dar- uh, Darius and San Antonio? Yeah, I'm excited. I mean, San Antonio has will have a lot of young players here, especially for those who don't know the summer league, the NBA summer league. I believe it starts July 5th, um, so, somewhere six, in that. Seven, yeah, fifth, sixth, yeah. seventh, somewhere around there. Six, seven, five, six, seven, whatever it is. Um, and that for those LSU fans that want to see Darius and Tari play, I mean, immediately that's in two weeks, pretty much. So you'll be able to see them um, on ESPN, NBA TV, all that all that good stuff. Um, I love watching the summer league. So I'm interested to watch Darius um, and Tari, but you know, Darius kind of try to make his mark um, with, with the Spurs. And even if, like you said, even if it's not the Spurs that if he has a good showing, even if it's not the Spurs that pick him up, you know, there's 30 teams out there, you know, who that need guys on two ways and these guys in the G league, you know, and that's kind of how you, how you get started. So the three-point shooting is going to be it for him, obviously. Um, I, I think he can defend at a high enough level, but if he can shoot the ball, you know, at a 36-plus percent clip, I mean, I think he has a good shot. So that's what I'm, be, that's what I'm going to be interested in seeing. Ferocious. Looking yeah, at, ferocious uh, rebounder and a, a high motor, too. I mean, that, that gets you a lot, a lot of places in the NBA in terms of just your effort and – having a high motor and being able to get the ball and push it, you know, down the, down the court a little bit. I think he's got all that potential in him. And it's like you said, just about getting that shot um, a little bit more consistent is, is going to be the big thing with him. Yeah. Um, man, the last year's team was so, was so interesting for us <laughs> to cover. Wasn't it, man? It just feels like, it feel, felt, felt like they should have, they just, I don't want to say they deserved. It felt like, we should have gotten more than just one tournament game from them. Yeah, LSU was like the worst shooting team that didn't feel like a bad shooting team. Like they, <laughs> they, they were. They took so many threes. They had so many guys thinking that they were so great at shooting threes, and they were not very good at shooting threes last year. And that was kind of a really big part of their offensive identity for much of the season. We had to talk with, I remember Coach Wade about just them holding it back a little bit, you know, in terms of the amount of threes they were taking. Um, but, you know, you live and you learn. Um, obviously, it's a new age of LSU basketball, so we don't have to reminisce too much about the past. But, um, yeah, I, I think that all, all great landing spots. Sharif going with the Lakers, obviously yep, a, another one there. Um, legacy uh, opportunity for him to – He'll be in the summer league as well. So, yeah, yeah. For, the, uh, for the Lakers. For the Lakers, yeah. So – Good. All right. Good yeah. Yep. That's going to be it for us uh, today. We hope you all enjoyed the episode. A little bit of everything in there. A little bit of uh, Mannings. A little bit of recruiting. Baseball. Basketball. Don't Got get everything for y'all. Yeah, that's what the offseason is, right? That's what June 26th brings every, every year. Yeah, so. that's true. All right. Uh, All right for Glenn, um, I'm Matthew Bruni. We hope you all enjoyed the episode. You can follow us on Twitter at Go247. You can follow us on um on sound uh, on spotify apple youtube wherever you get your podcast we appreciate y'all for joining us and we'll talk to y'all later okay picture this it's friday afternoon when a thought hits you i can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever or i can conquer it 
I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 